Hey guys, it's Derek, and I got another one for you here. Uh, I wrote this one in April of 2019, and this was a really, really meaningful article for me. And it didn't really do that well. Uh, but then again, I don't really measure the success of an article by you know, how many people actually read it, but who reads it specifically. And you know, hopefully this one touched someone, and if not, I may be reading it two years later, Will. So it's called Hope is a Plan. And the picture on the cover is a picture of me with uh, a white line or white bar going across that says Hope Dealer. And I was really into the, the phrase Hope Dealer for a really long time. I'd met someone who really is the OG Hope Dealer. His name is Jeff, and he's part of Celebrate Recovery, and he has just this testimony that'll just it'll just blow you away it'll leave you so inspired I mean it it's really remarkable so Jeff got me really um, really pumped up for that phrase and I had stole it for a few years um, so here we go part one if you want to make God laugh tell him about your plans Woody Allen Months after my grandfather was diagnosed with terminal cancer, I got the call from my grandma in Minnesota telling me I need to get home as soon as possible. Derek, you need to get home. My grandmother told me that grandpa wouldn't make it through the night. Back then, if you knew someone who had worked for the airlines, you could fly standby on what was called a buddy pass. Essentially, it was a very discounted ticket, and all you had to do was show up at the airport. It was perfect for a situation like the one with my dying grandfather. I showed up to the airport nearly four hours early, only to miss the flight back home to say my final goodbye. When I arrived, my grandmother told me that he had waited for me, but he had died an hour earlier. I was broken. There's another story, an unrelated story, about a young girl who had suffered from a severe and sudden seizure. Not like any she had suffered from in the past, either. This one appeared to be fatal as it was accompanied by significant brain damage. Just as her family was preparing for her last rites, something remarkable happened. The family, along with their pastor, prayed over her. A family who didn't attend church and who didn't subscribe to any kind of faith stood over her and prayed. And two days later, she woke up and began to regain her strength. Years later, she now lives a normal life. In the first story about my grandfather, I had hoped to see him one last time, to tell him how proud I am to be a lullaby, how proud I was to be his grandson. In the second story, when the pastor asked the mother how she would like him to be prayed, in the second story, excuse me, when the pastor asked the mother how she would like him to pray, she replied, I'm still hoping that God can perform a miracle. Despite the two very different stories, the similarity is the hope that we both felt. Immediately after I had learned my grandfather had died, my hope suddenly changed. It went from wanting to see him one last time to wanting to see him again. My prayers shifted from asking God to tell me something to asking God if he can hear me or if he understands me. These stories remind me that I am not in control, not in the slightest. They do, however, help me come to terms with God's plan 
And this is a sidebar when I talk about not being in control. If anybody follows any of the personal videos that I film, uh, I'm actually filming a video this week on this very topic of being in control. If you're not sure who Craig Groeschel is, he's the author of many books. One is called Hope in the Dark. And in that book, you'll find a story about a girl who suffered from a seizure and nearly died, the one I just referred to. You'll also learn that Craig is the pastor who prayed with that family and watched God perform that miracle. After reading that book, Craig would tell you that God was there in both situations. In my case, as a comforter, and in the family's case with the young girl, as a healer. I believe Craig said it best when he said, I have no idea what God's plan is. I want to know it. I'm just, I'm just so glad he has one. Part 2. Hope Dealer. Hope is a good thing, maybe even the best of things, and good things never die. That's Andy Dufresne, and hopefully you know who Andy Dufresne is, otherwise... What? I once saw a bumper sticker that read, Hope is not a plan on the back of a truck. It was a picture of Barack Obama, and it was right here in Indiana. It was clearly in opposition to Obama's Hope poster in 2008 for his presidential campaign, and for some reason I remember that. Not exactly sure why I do. It could be because I disagree with it, because I'm writing a article called Hope Hope is a Plan, or it could be part of my own campaign, but likely it's because hope is my livelihood. Hope is defined as an expectation or a desire for something to happen. But I prefer Andy Dufresne's definition. Every year I hope to win the office pool for the NCAA tournament, and every year that it doesn't happen, my hope fades. But that's not what hope really is, is it? I guess it depends on who's asking. Also, in the grand scheme of things, I guess I don't really care about my bracket. Well, not as much as I'm hoping to walk my daughter down the aisle someday, or hope to never lose my job, or hope to never start drinking again, or hope to never have a panic attack again. I think that may be what Andy was referring to when he said, the best of things. Okay, maybe not that dramatic. We all have hope in something. How many times a day do you hope something will happen? How often are you hoping for an outcome? Hoping that someone will call? Hoping for good news? Hoping someone will come home? If you believe something can happen, then there's still hope. Hope is in high demand. It may be the one thing we all have in common. You don't need to believe to have hope. But if you believe, then you definitely do. Part three, what I've found, though, is when we're looking for a plan, God often sends a person. It's Bob Goff. Hopefully you're reading his new book, Undistracted. I am, and I'm enjoying it. Thank you, Bob, because I know you're listening. Two weeks ago, my wife's grandmother passed away unexpectedly. From what I know about Norma, her faith in God was the center of her life. And as I delivered the homily, by the way, homily is like a sermon delivered by someone who's not a pastor, and I am not a pastor. As I delivered that homily at her funeral, I was curious, did Morris, Morris is her husband, the love of her life, did he ask God for a plan just before he met Norma? 
Norma was 91 years old when she died. She had four children, 11 grandchildren, and 19 great-grandchildren. Nearly all of Norma's family was in attendance that day in honor of her. People come from all over the country to pay their respects. They did come from all over the country, and I don't doubt that Bob was right. God sent us Norma. I started wondering if I was that person for someone else. I started wondering if anyone else had ever thought of who their person was. I started thinking about who my person was. I started thinking about all the times I'd ever hoped for something I had no control over. When I needed a father figure after mine was killed. When I desperately needed a plan for my life. When my grandfather was diagnosed with cancer. When my soccer career ended. When my uncle passed away. When my alcoholism grabbed a hold of me. When I struggled with anxiety. Or when I needed to understand my career. God always sent a person. It was my mother, my wife, my daughter, my grandfather, my best friends, my coach, or even my boss. Someone always just miraculously showed up. Part four. Standing on the corner, straight slanging rocks, easy. I don't know, expect you to know that song, but that is from Bone Thugs and Harmony. And I have this saying called slang and hope and really that's where it comes from it's actually inspired by easy e so there you go build this in i married an incredible woman and together we have two amazing children i have a great career with a growing company i have literally zero debt outside of my mortgage and i'm in relatively great health there was a lot to hope for in my life because i had this great plan and then I hit rock bottom on March 8th, 2014, when my battle with alcohol came to a head. I was on the verge of losing everything. All my hopes and plans changed. They changed because they aren't my plans. They're his plans. And all I wanted in my moment of desperation was to know if he could hear me or if he understood me. God, tell me what I'm supposed to do with my life. And then I met all these people. I met this guy named Kevin, who at the time was 25 years sober, who told me how he did it. I talked to a guy named Mark, who introduced me to recovery. And then I met a guy named Dwayne, who made me feel like I wasn't alone. And then I met a guy named Clinton, who showed me what it meant to feel convicted. And then I met a, met a guy, and then I met, and then I met, and then I met another, and then I met one more. The more I asked God, the more people just kept showing up. Every single person I met did one very specific thing for me. They inspired my optimism because they all gave me hope. No one ever wants to feel like it's over. On March 9th, that's in two days from now, 2022, I'm gonna celebrate eight years sober and I tell you I'm only going to celebrate 24 hours without struggling with something else I used to believe I was supposed to be an athlete that I was the perfect husband that I was the father I never had that I was supposed to be a professional or that I was a natural leader and then I sat in someone's living room 
or at a random coffee shop, or I told somebody about my faith. I told them that they're not alone, that it's normal to have a problem. I told them that it's possible to get through anything. I told them that what they think is the worst part of their life will soon be the best part of their life. I slowly started to realize that I'm not a father, a husband, a leader, or a professional. As much as I lead on to be or want to be, I mean, I am, but knowing what I know now, I can't say that's his definitive plan for me. I'm fairly certain God's plan for me has more to do with him than it does with me. So for now, I started a side hustle. And that hustle is, if you're in need of some hope, you can always call me. You can text. I won't always answer, but I'll always respond. I'll listen, and I'll do my best to understand. My cell phone is 260-479-0885. Romans 5 verses 2 through 5 says, Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If you need hope, call me.